This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And welcome, good morning, good morning, or good afternoon, wherever you may be on this lovely Sunday morning here. It's going to be a hot one the next couple of days. Anyway, you're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber. You're here, host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Best with Dr. Jeff. Here for you, here for your pets. Answer any questions you may have already. I have a question here waiting for me on Pet Life Radio. Uh, a couple of ways to join me. Number one, you can join me live here on Instagram, which I, many of you have already done. I'm trying to wave back to you as fast as I can. And um, also on Pet Life Radio, you can join me live. You go on to PetLifeRadio.com and you click on Shows and you'll follow to Ask the Vet with Dr. Jeff. And there's a link left for you there by Mark, our producer. And just click on the link and you're going to be here live with me. Also, you can do the old-fashioned way, 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. Pardon me while I wave to those people joining me here on Instagram Live. So, first of all, I've been talking to a client. Their little dog is sick, as you know. Frenchies, it's been getting worse. We've been working. It's a respiratory thing. It was supposedly finished its vaccines. Very, very important, by the way. Finished its vaccines. And then we went and it was with a group of other dogs, that like a, a doggy daycare training, whatever dog park kind of thing. And now he's coughing really, really badly. So we were going through the vaccines and I asked him, I said, did he ever get his Bordetella vaccines? So he looks on his paperwork. No, never got Bordetella. Here he is, five months old puppy with other dogs, never been vaccinated against Bordetella. The influenza and the Bordetella are everywhere. And now this pup is really sick. So I've been working with him, things that he can do at home. He fortunately had some amoxicillin. So then he was able to get some doxycycline, which I like better for upper respiratory from the breeder. Breeder got him some doxy. He's on doxy. He's on a suppressant expectorant combo. And yet he's still getting a lot of phlegm. I'm having to do coupage and steam and take him to the bathroom and, and the moist air and all these things, right? So anyway, as the very last resort, I gave him some numbers of some emergency facilities because I'm not going to be in for the next two days. And just in case it starts turning into more of a pneumonia, which it already may be, I'm afraid since he's a Frenchie, he may have aspirated. And that is when they cough up the phlegm or vomitus, and then they, then they take a deep breath in, they actually get that into the lungs. Very, very dangerous. We call it aspiration pneumonia. And if it's originating from the stomach, there's a lot of acid in that. The stomach acid is highly acidic. Well, then when they aspirate it, it goes into the lungs. The lungs are not meant to handle that type of acidity. And it just can be really dangerous. So I give him the, some of the names of some of the three of the emergency facilities in our area. And he, he just texted me back. He says he talked to already two of the three of them. Neither one is able to accept any new pets. That's terrible. And that's, I said, I wrote it back, welcome to my world. It is a huge problem. We called one of our favorite ones, and I, I do like them. There was a wait was forever long, and we said, what's going on? They said they cannot get texts. Two texts called in sick, whether it was COVID or not, I don't know. They have doctors, two doctors there, but not a single technician. This is an emergency facility. I mean, what do you do? So for now, my recommendation to you is put your darn animals in a plastic bubble. Don't let them go out. Don't let them get sick. I mean, just watch them like off because if you have an emergency, <laughs> you're, you know what, out of luck. You just cannot get in, at least here in LA. I don't know what it's like in other towns. Please you know, check it out and find out. So, uh, you know, as far as the uh, upper respiratories, uh, yes, is it good to hit them with clab and doxy? It's not a moxie and doxy. So yes, that's a great combo. 
But anyway, just so you know, it's a warning. What's going on in our world is so difficult right now. It's such a challenge. One of the things I'd recommend, just as an FYI, that's that's how this guy met me, is AirVet. Not that I want to promote it, but of course I do. But it will give you at least 24-7 access to a real veterinarian. Now, obviously, they can only give advice. We can't, obviously, can't treat an animal that's not our patient. But the idea is it'll just give you some information, help you a lot better than not talking to anybody. And that's the other option. So it's really, really tough. Ah, Fluff and Scruff Rescue, we're about to adopt out an English bulldog. Any advice for our doctors to prevent potential breathing problems? Oh boy, yeah. For now, make sure they're well vaccinated. If it's a bulldog, I would definitely bore to tell it. You might even consider the influenza if you're in a city where there are a lot of access to other dogs. And um, check their throat, make sure they're nares, make sure their soft palate's not too long. And uh, I mean, the one problem with the bulldogs is oftentimes when they vomit, they aspirate. And the original vomiting episode could be bad, but the aspiration is terrible. So you do your best you can. Keep them out of situations where they might have access to a lot of other dogs and might end up with one of the breathing problems. And remember one thing, that even if your dog's vaccinated for, against Bordetella, against the influenza, the H3N2, the H3N8, that, which are the, the two strains that are popular right now, it's not a guarantee that they're not going to get it. It might ease the symptoms. It might help. It might take more of a challenge to overpower the vaccine, but they still could get it. So it's very important to be very, very cautious out there. So here's a good thing. Having talked all the bad things about upper respiratories and aspiration pneumonia and pneumonias. Hi, it's from Lily. I suspect my dog has something stuck in her throat. When should I go see her vet? Can I assume she will spit it out? What sign should I look at to decide if it's an emergency or if it can wait for an appointment, which is usually now a few days to a week after I call? <laughs> Again, that's what's happening, unfortunately. She is playing, eating, not lethargic, but does have episodes of cough and spits out white foamy liquid. Thank you. She finally got into her vet and it was kennel cough. So what's the difference? So here, here we're going to you know, talk about some of the things we'll podcast. If a dog has something stuck in their throat, meaning it's obstructing their airway, you will know it because they will be trying to get in their mouth and they will be, uh, they'll be struggling to breathe. I mean, really struggling. If they can cough out, that means it's clear. So most of these cases, and I, this is what I always say, does it sound like they're trying to bring a bone out of their throat? And they go, yeah. And how are they doing? Otherwise, they're fine. Running? Yeah, running. Eating? Yeah, eating. Then it's not obstruction. It's not something stuck in the throat. It's kennel cough. So that's one of the benefits of being able to see the pet. You know, the look of a dog who truly can't breathe. Oh, my God. And that is a, that's a 9-1. That's something you won't get to the emergency facility fast enough. You have to open the mouth, stick your fingers, stick your whatever it is, and you have to try to feel it and pull it out if there's a bone actually stuck in the throat. Now, some dogs will get bones stuck across their hard palate. It gets stuck in between the two premolars and lodged. Then there you have a dog that is just, it's trying to push it out. It's very uncomfortable. And again, and those are great to do. Why? Because when you take that bone fragment out, Oh my God, the dog loves you. It's like the old cartoon with the, the lion and the thorn, all right? It's like the best feeling ever when they get that thing out of their mouth. So those are rewarding. Those are the really good ones. You spend a minute or two, you take the instrument, you pull that thing out of the mouth, and God, now you got a new friend. But anyway, so most of the time, if a dog is otherwise normal, just doing a lot of hacking, trying to bring a bone out of their throat, then it is definitely not an obstruction. It's most likely some sort of respiratory infection. It could be kennel cough. It could be just a tracheitis. It could be an ITB, infectious trachea, bronchitis. That's kennel cough. So it could be collapsing trachea. It could be a redundant dorsal tracheal membrane. There are so many other conditions that can cause this. So it's very, very important to uh, at least get a good luck. 
Oh, hi, Doctor. Where were your old? Oh, yes. I, you know, it's so nice to have all these people from the old ones, Damien coming in, you coming in to say hello. And um, all right. So I do have, if no other questions, if you have any questions, please type away. I'll be happy to answer them. Lily, I'm glad that you called in. Thank you so much. Kennel cough is treatable. My old antibiotic of choice was the Clavamox. Now I've been outnumbered by all the young veterinarians. No, it's doxycycline. So I have actually converted to doxycycline as my primary. But sometimes if it's really bad, I'll do both. As Eloise Pet Rescue, my friend Vicky just mentioned, and she deals as a rescue, she deals with a lot of kennel cough. So a lot of times they know. All right. Oh, and speaking of they know, let's go back for a second and talk about some breeders. One of my AMAs this week was about breeders. Why do I support any breeders? It's very philosophical. I'm not against a good breeder. There are a lot of people, myself included. I love my French Bulldogs, and I want to get one from a good breeder. I was lucky enough on this one. It's a rehome, but it was rehomed from a really good breeder. And uh, it was my patient. It was not working out because their English Bulldog wanted to kill the poor French Bulldog, who is really sweet. Well, always not so sweet, but he's really, he's really good looking. That's like when I got my, my cat, my, my Bengal. Apparently, he was the worst cat ever. He was terrible. The guy brought it to me. He said he was going to take him to the shelter. I said, you can't take this cat to the shelter. He's gorgeous. He goes, I don't care how good looking he is. He is terrible. He poops everywhere in the house. He poops in my shoes. He does. He's not friendly. Never on my lap. He's the worst cat I've ever had. I said, well, I'll take him. He goes, no, you don't want him, Doc. I says, no, I want him because he is stunning. So P.S., I bring him home. The four other cats, he's the best cat. He was the boy as he passed away. The best cat ever. So uh, his name was Zoolander, male model. Zooey, we call him Zooey. And so, you know, it's like how we can read our pets. They read us a lot better. There was something about this guy that this cat just did not like. And he let him know it. So, no, he was a great cat. So, you know, what we see, what they see are very, very different. So this Frenchie is great. But my point is, what I'm against are backyard breeders, people that don't know what they're doing. They, how many times have I heard this? So let's talk about Spayer. And they go, no, no, I think we, we wanted to have one litter. I just want to have a kid. No, it's not the same. And if you don't know what you're doing, who's the one that gets those phone calls, right? Especially if it's a Frenchie. You know what they see when it comes to Frenchies? They see dollar signs. Really? They have no idea what they're doing. But they have a French bulldog female. They want to breed it because they say, oh my God, five, six, seven thousand dollars a puppy. Oh my God, we're, we're going to. No, first of all, you're going to spend just the fact that you have to do C sections. Sometimes you only have like two pups. It's not worth the aggravation. And trust me, it is very aggravating. So, anyway, you know, my recommendation is don't do it unless you know what you're doing. So, I support legitimate, responsible, good breeders that stand behind their animals, give a good guarantee, are there for them. That's what I support. And I support, as many of you know, a lot of rescues. Let's put it this way. I have way more rescue clients than I do breeders. I only have, I think, maybe two, maybe three breeders that I regularly see and take care of. Whereas rescues, oh my God, I have too many. I need more space. I need more doctors. So that's sort of my feeling about that. So the problem with some of these animals is you're not getting... Now, the breeder who sold this Frenchie apparently was very legit newest stuff, but gave all the other vaccines on a good schedule. I'm always trying to re-educate breeders about vaccine schedules. This one was the right schedule, 8, 12, 16. Perfect. But never gave Bordetella. Never talked about it. And so this poor guy takes his dog, five months old now. You should be socialized. It's okay. Normally, I would say it's perfect. Take it out. Play with other dogs. You know, you're protected. Well, I find out, no, this one was never protected. So Unfortunately, he should have met me while it was still a puppy going through the vaccine series, but uh, that didn't happen. All right. We talk about yeast. My dog is always getting overgrowth of yeast in his nail beds and around his mouth. We've been to the vet and he's asking anything else you can do. Okay. So 
If it is true malassezia dermatitis, which it totally could be, there's chlorhexidine shampoos, chlorhexidine sprays, okay? Anything with chlorhexidine with ketoconazole or myconazole. There are a lot of antifungal sprays that are great. They're usually mixed up, I'd say, with chlorhexidine, ketohex, ketochlor, chlorhex. I mean, that, that what they try to do is they put the both names in there so you know what you're getting. Duxo has some good There are many goods out there. If that alone, oh, you can also bathe and soak the feet in the same type of shampoo, something that has an antibacterial property and an antifungal property. If that in of itself is not working, you also have to do a collar. You got to keep them away because they keep licking. And with the licking comes moisture. Now, there's also a great powder I love called Neopreta powder that you can sort of apply to all the nail beds. But some of these dogs also need oral antifungal medications. You need to speak to your veterinarian. Orals that are effective are at that time in our show past the halfway mark. So I'm going to break. I'm going to send it back to Mark for messages from our sponsors and I will stay here on Instagram. I will mute myself for the show and be back in a few minutes. Do not go away. For those fortunate to have experienced the deep bond and unconditional love of a companion animal, the death that follows can be one of the most difficult and misunderstood losses to go through. Many times, this devastating loss goes unrecognized and trivialized by family and friends leaving grieving pet parents struggling to find healthy ways to cope with the loss. In And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal for healing the loss of a pet, Dr. Julianne Corbin calls attention to the difficulties unique to the loss of a beloved pet and provides an interactive and compassionate guide to help you process your loss and work towards coming to a place of peace and healing. For those interested in journal therapy, and looking for a professionally written and compassionate resource to help understand and reconcile the grief associated with the loss of your pet, this book is for you. And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal by Julianne Corbin is now available for purchase on Amazon and other major book retailers. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com And we're back. Welcome back. You're live with Dr. Jeff Werber here at Pet Life Radio's Ask the Best and Instagram Live. So, as you know, perusing the news, there were a couple of things I saw that piqued my interest and curiosity. So here's one. You know, sometimes it's, you know, you have a feeling just from doing something for a long time and you think that you're pretty competent and then all of a sudden you hear the experts coming out and saying it it feels good so here's one that a lot of bad behavior problems are probably secondary or maybe secondary to health problems whether it's a painful condition whether it's a nutritional imbalances all right allergies when they're uncomfortable okay then they might show it either in being super sluggish bad behavior trying to tell you something aggression if a dog has a bad back, for example, I'll give you a perfect case. There's a condition called lumbosacral instability. We call it corticoinus syndrome. It's the last, it's our L7S1 in a dog comparable to the L5S1 in a person. And it's painful. So years ago, when I was working with Dr. Leeds, phenomenal board certified veterinary surgeon, we had this dog, you couldn't go near, you could not go near, it would bite your head off. Most aggressive, it was really sad. So we thought we're dealing with a behavior problem, but we can also tell there was some pain. So we took some x-rays, saw that there was some imbalance, and we ended up, since it was one of the more painful ones that I've ever seen, and even Dr. Leeds had ever seen, he did the surgery. And he did a, like a, a fenestration, and uh, he opened up the area, 
there was so much a pressure on the spinal cord at the back. The surgery relieved the pressure. Bottom line is not only, not only was this dog after surgery amazing as far as pain-free, he was jumping back to the pickup truck again. He was great, but he was such a love. He literally would come in, jump up on you, kiss your face, which what does it tell you? you know, he didn't get a, a whole training or socialization. He just got surgery to relieve pain. And he was a new dog. And I've had that same thing with Cocker Spaniels and ears, where they had terrible, nasty, nasty Cocker Spaniel. And Cockers can be sometimes. But this one, it was all the ears. He had a Tika. It's called the total ear canal ablation on both sides. His ears were so disgusting, so painful. And after that, I'm talking such a sweet dog. So it just goes to show you, when there's something else going on, it is potentially a problem. All right. Speaking of pain, now, acute pain. This is important. Something that happens suddenly, if not treated properly, can lead to chronic pain. For example, a disc is a perfect example. When they throw something out, they get a disc. If it's not taken care of, and then you treat it, uh, you know, either just with rest and alone and nothing else, it can become chronic pain. Arthritis is one. Dental disease. Dental disease is a biggie. That's why we recommend frequent dental cleanings by your veterinarian. They probably will need anesthesia and thorough deep cleaning under the gums, uh, maybe dental x-rays if needed, because that mouth can be very painful and it really changes the whole demeanor of the dog. And it was something that was easily treated if you got to it early. Cancer, another one. If there's cancer, certain cancers, they say that cancer itself isn't painful, but when it it grows and puts pressure on other organs or other parts of the body, that's wherein the pain lies. So any, like, for example, if you take bone cancer, that's very painful. So, cause it's, it's destroying good bone. So anyway, these are things you want to take care of. Diseases. Uh, uh, let's see. Oh, so again, it was just a warning about a virulent parvovirus around and we're seeing, so parvo is parvo. Remember that what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, right? About, we thought it was a new disease. All these like 17 puppies died in a shelter, et cetera, et cetera. No, it turned out from Michigan State University, they did a more thorough test than you can buy. You know, the in-house testing is, has limitations. They did the real testing at the veterinary diagnostic lab at Michigan State Veterinary School. And it was all a, a parvo. And it's basically something vaccine resistant. So it's a bummer because the normal vaccine, if it didn't have that strain in it, is not protecting against that strain. So again, we just, just uh, a, an FYI, be careful out there. This is good too. Uh, this is what I call cool technology. So this is a test developed at University of Wisconsin School of Veterinary Medicine, which is, by the way, a phenomenal school to predict, and they did this in Labradors, to predict Labrador's risk for cruciate injury damage. An ACL, people in vets, we call it a CCL, cranial cruciate ligament injury. The test requires just a cheek stop. So it's a DNA predictor or a blood sample. And now the researchers are currently in the process of working to basically expand the test to other high-risk breeds as well. In my opinion, many large breeds, Rotties get it, Pitbulls, notorious, Bulldogs, notorious because of the way they're built to tearing their cruciate ligaments. There's potentially, which is why they're doing the swabs, a genetic predisposition. It's so much so that many feel, myself included, if a dog blows its cruciate, there is a 75% chance it will blow the other one as well. So sometimes it's just pure injury where there, there was no genetic predisposition. Those dogs, to get it fixed, they'll be fine. Now, another thing about cruciate ligaments is they have very poor blood supply and they are under sort of a, a stretch. When they tear, the edges kind of fly back. So there's no way they're going to come together again. And 
though you might try to treat it conservatively, once the swelling and the effusion in the joint, that's the bleeding the joint resolve, there's a good chance they'll feel better, but it'll never be back to normal. So what's going to happen is now you have a weakened ligament. So a strain that normally a full ligament can handle, now it's maybe only 60-70%, cannot handle, more fibers are going to tear. And then go on and then, same thing, fibers tear, there's acute pain, it gets better, the effusion, which is the bleeding in the joint, resolves a little bit, and they're on again. But before you know it, it's one of those, remember, for many of you, you may not remember, for some of you, the older ones, you will remember, the Fram oil filter commercial, you can pay me now or pay me later. Pay me now, just change the oil filter, pay me later, a whole new engine rebuild. That's how I feel about cruciate injuries. It's going to get you. So my recommendation is see your veterinarian, talk to them. Even I mentioned Dr. Lee's, a great surgeon, but interestingly, a very conservative surgeon. He was not one of those cut happy surgeons. If he can wait or he felt that something can resolve on its own, he was totally fine. And this is one where he would walk outside, the client would say, no, I think I'm going to treat it in pain meds and rest. And he would walk and he would say, look, it's fine by me, but they will be on my surgery table at some point. And, and I got to tell you, 99% of the time he was right. So anyway, just keep that in mind. That's a cool test. Duke University, by the way, Duke does not have a veterinary school, but they do offer puppy kindergarten classes to train future service dogs. And I think that's really cool. And these dogs are raised by volunteers and they have to pass through initial screenings to make sure they have the right temperament personality. They would love to expand it to train more service dogs. The problem is they're running out of volunteers. It's almost like a puppy raiser for you know guide dogs or canine companions for independence. You have to put the puppy somewhere and they're running out of uh, volunteers or else they would actually expand this great program to train more service dogs, which I think is really, really cool. Here's one. You know the expression, some good deeds don't go unpunished. So here was the good deed. The good deed was helping the animal world, helping shelters. And during COVID, we talked about pandemic pups, right? These pandemic pets, they were rescued during COVID shelters at some point where some of them were like practically cleaned out. How great is that? But here's the bad news. Because of the difficulty in getting into veterinarians during this period and in difficulty of even having shelter vets do the spays and neuters, many of these pets, this is going back two years now, were not spayed or neutered. And then there was one more before I let you go. We're at that time. This is interesting. A bill in the state of Ohio is hoping to be passed that will ban commercial dog breeders, let's go back to the breeders, that performing surgical procedures like tail docking, ear cropping, and debarking, devocalization. And um, you know, again, I am so for this. You know, first of all, ear cropping, you know, it's interesting. I was in vet school over 40 years ago in, in vet school, and we never learned ear cropping, ever. And I, so I, I didn't even know how to do it. So it's, I mean, even back then, they were, you know, at least Davis was not recommending it because they weren't teaching it to the students. So they're banning any of these procedures without a veterinarian on board or doing the procedure, which I don't think veterinarians are likely to do those anyway, or, and without any anesthesia or pain meds. So I think that's a bold move. Thank you very much. State of Ohio, let's hear it for them. So anyway, that's all we have time for. Thank you for joining me here on Pet Life Radio, here on Instagram Live. Those of you on Instagram, once again, if you have trouble, either of my audiences, if you have trouble getting to a veterinarian, which you may, it's just the nature of the beast or what's going on right now in, in the veterinary world, please log on to a telemedicine platform. Of course, I prefer it to be AirVet, where you'll have access 24-7 to a veterinarian. Those of you living in Los Angeles, you can get a hold of me. I will somehow try to accommodate. 
I have a disease. It says I can't say no disease. So I can't say no. So anyway, I just said it, but I can't say it. And that is, so if, if you need to be seen and can't get into your vet for weeks, even too many days, and it's a serious problem, at least try to get a hold of me. I will see what I can do. Most probably we'll see you. It might be late. You have to be patient if you come in because we're rock solidly booked, but I will happily see you. I do not want your pet to suffer. And that's the oath I took. I have to relieve animal suffering. And that is my purpose to be here. So, all right. Anyway, uh, you're very welcome, New York Yankee. And uh, again, if you need to get a hold of me here at Pet Life Radio, Dr. Jeff, Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com, Jeff at AirVet.com. And of course, anyone on Instagram, you can join me, send me a message, and I will get back to you as best I can. If I don't get back to you in what you would consider a timely fashion, all right, all you need to do is get a hold of me again, because sometimes I get so many texts in a day, literally 30 or 40. I lose it if I don't get to it right away. It's way at the bottom, and um, I just don't get to it. You are not bugging me. I tell that all the time. You are not bugging me when you bug me. At night, you maybe think you're bugging me, but you're not. So go ahead and just send it again. Keep calling. Send me a message, whatever. All right. Again, have a great week. Happy New Year to those of you who are celebrating Rosh Hashanah. And um, I will be here next Sunday, same bad time, same bad channel. I got to think about all these, these crazy holidays coming up. All right. Have a good week. Be well. Let's Talk Pets every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.